first off, the thing you might have noticed is got a new intro song. I want to thank Pixabay and uh, specifically Red Productions, who supplied all kinds of free content online for creators such as myself to just add a little more spice to podcasts, YouTube videos, or whatever. But speaking of spice, time to move on to today's species of the day. And this is a very unique little lizard called the thorny devil. So the thorny devil is found in the drier, more desert-like areas of southern and western Australia, normally found in scrublands, deserts, sand plains, sand ridges, and pretty much all that that covers that region of Australia. These guys are about 8.2 inches or 21 centimeters in length. The thorny devil weighs about 28.5 to 57 grams, so a fairly small lizard. However, females are normally slightly bigger than males. They can live anywhere from 15 to 20 years. And the very first thing you're going to notice about these guys is they are covered in sharp spines. Okay, there's a reason why it's called the thorny devil. It pretty much looks like a cactus and a lizard made a baby. All right, so definitely very sharp looking and not something that you would want to grab onto too hard. Scientific name of the thorny devil is Molec Peridius, which is actually named after a human god of sacrifice. The name was inspired by John Milton's poem, Paradise Lost. And this is a poem about a god named Molec, which was associated with human sacrifice. And the Latin name were Peridius, which means rough or bristly. But they are actually not that dangerous of an animal. The reason why they have all those thorns is actually for protection. So, yes, they are a very creepy, scary-looking lizard, but it's actually supposed to scare off its predators. It also has other unique attributes of it. So, for instance, they are very well camouflaged for the desert or scrublands that they're normally found in being about a brownish tan coloration all over them and actually being able to change kind of how dark and how light they are depending on sometimes the time of day or the time of year. For instance, in the summertime, they are normally much more pale. And in the cooler winter months, they are actually a lot darker. So this can help out sort of with the camouflage, uh, since light, a lot of times we might not notice it, but it does change a bit from summer to winter in a lot of different regions. And that normally can throw the colors off a little bit compared to the two. But also it can help with warming the lizards as well. They are cold-blooded animals, which means that they need to get their kind of warmth, their internal warmth from the environment around us. So whereas we eat food and we kind of have like our own little internal furnace to keep us warm and it means that we can pretty much wake up and start moving around just as quickly. Well, <laughs> maybe not all of us, but uh, pretty much we can move fairly easily as soon as we wake up. Whereas in cooler temperatures, reptiles normally are much slower and need to warm up to kind of digest food a little bit easier and to move around a lot quicker. With the color changes being paler when it's a lot hotter and it's a lot sunnier out, you don't need as much energy and as uh, 
some of us may know, paler colors normally are cooler and darker colors under the sun are much warmer because dark colors are technically sucking up all the light, whereas white colors normally reflect all the light. So all of that can help regulate their body as well as help with camouflage. Now let's jump into what these guys actually eat. Thorny devils are anteaters. They can eat about 3,000 ants in one day, and they do this by normally finding a trail or maybe hanging out near an ant nest that they discovered and lapping up all the ants as they're coming to and from the ant nest. And they can do this because they have a very, very quick, sticky tongue that as you watch some of the uh, videos, there are plenty of videos out there of thorny devils eating ants. Like you really have to pay attention to even see that tongue come out and they can zip up ants faster than you can blink, honestly. Uh, it's very much kind of like how frogs and chameleons sort of eat as well with that sticky tongue and just kind of quick lightning. Bam, the ant doesn't even know what hit it. Now, if the ants chose to to be more active at night, they wouldn't have to worry about the thorny devil since it is most active during the day, where they will normally walk around trying to find ant nests. And a lizard walking around might sound boring, but these guys are fairly unique about it. A lot of times how they walk is their tail is raised up and they kind of do this forward backward motion. It almost looks a little jerky looking. Um, and one of the thoughts is that this is to kind of help confuse predators such as birds of prey that looking down this, it's kind of hard to focus in on. So they're kind of uh, uh, moving back and forth instead of just moving a straight normal pattern. But even though they move very slow as they're walking, they actually have been recorded running up to 37 miles per hour or 60 kilometers per hour. So they, they can move pretty fast if they need to, especially if they've been warmed up from those hot days. Now, these guys, there is such thing as it being too hot. They also don't like the cold too much. And during some of the hotter, drier times of the day or the year, they will actually seek refuge in really the only place most desert scrubland animals can go, and that is down. So these guys will normally dig their own burrows, which these guys will use to escape the heat of the extreme parts of summer and also the extreme parts of uh, the colder winter. These guys are kind of fair weather lizards. When it becomes too intense during a day or too intense during a month, they will actually hibernate. So the odd thing about these guys is as we think of hibernation, especially here in the U.S., we were thinking of like, say, bears and that they only really have one big hibernation. But because these guys can be too hot and too cold, they actually have kind of two separate hibernations through the year. So from January through February, they will hibernate due to the extreme heat of the summer. And from June to July, they will actually hibernate due to it being a little too cold for them which I think is pretty cool that it's like, uh, oh, it's too hot, I'm going to bed. Ah, it's too cold, I'm going to bed. So very unique traits to help them survive the year. And of course, throughout the rest of the year, they are awake and normally doing normal lizard things. <laughs> the burrows themselves, they actually keep very clean uh, in tip-top shape, if you will, because these animals are latrine animals, which means that they will normally go to the bathroom in the same spot or the same couple of spots to deposit, in this case, a very solid 
hard, round poop, since, well, the only thing they eat is ants, and ants have pretty hard shells to them. And this will kind of be set away from their burrows or normally active area, especially if it gives off scent for a snake or another predator to track them down. It's a little harder because all that stinky poop is further away, which also helps keep their burrows nice and clean. So like I said, uh, some of their top predators that they would need to escape from, sometimes diving into these burrows, are birds of prey, large lizards, and of course, something Australia is just full of snakes. The thorny lizard has a couple of defenses against these predators, however, which makes them fairly unique even for most lizards. The first thing, of course, is those hard scales. That is not something that you would want to try and eat, let alone catch. If that doesn't deter an animal, especially if it's extra hungry. The second thing that the thorny devil can do is it actually can puff up kind of like a puffer fish. Like it can puff up its chest to make itself a lot bigger and harder for an animal to swallow. So say a small lizard sees a thorny devil or walking along and it it's a perfect size meal. It's just big enough. It can eat it. It's going to get a full belly from it. And the lizard runs up, grabs the thorny devil, and then all of a sudden, bam, puffs up. Next thing you know, it's way too big for it to swallow. So that lizard has two things it can do. Number one is it could choke on the thorny devil or it spits it out and go find a much easier meal. This, however, doesn't normally stop, obviously, bigger lizards that even when puffed up, the thorny devil still can be swallowed or, of course, a bird of prey, which normally picks at an animal versus swallowing it whole. That's where the third unique attribute comes into play, and that is the thorny devil has a false head. It's sort of a lump or knob of skin on the back of its neck, normally right behind its head, and what will happen is if the thorny devil gets spooked by, say, a bird of prey or a snake or something, it can actually tuck its actual head underneath its body or in the sand, exposing this little knob making it look like that is the actual head to the animal. And a lot of times a bird of prey or something, when it's trying to kill something, it, it does want it to be quick because it doesn't want to fight on its hand. So most of the time it will go after the head. But in this case, the head is nothing more than kind of a quick detach uh, knob of skin or a quick release, if you will, so that when the animal goes and tries to bite this thing, it gets a small little bit of the lizard, but the lizard can escape a lot of time with its life. It has the whole avoiding predators and food thing pretty much down, but what about moisture? Because these guys do live in very dry environments. Once again, this guy has a very unique way of getting moisture because for a lot of desert animals, they will get moisture from maybe the plants or the animals that they eat. But for the thorny devil, there's probably not much moisture when it comes to ants. So where does its water come from? The desert, a lot of times, is a little more wet than we like to give it credit for. For example, in early mornings, a lot of time, there is dew. So it's a little bit dewy or there's a little bit of moisture around. But obviously, it quickly dries up once the sun comes out. But that dew is created from the drastic changes from the cooler nights to the warmer days, or sometimes just based on its location or the wind, it may bring in some moisture from oceans or large bodies of waters nearby. 
And what will happen is there's a light layer of mist or dew drops across the sand and on the grass. And that's all well and great, but it's not really that much water there, which is perfect for the thorny devil. Because the thorny devil skin is almost like a sponge full of these little capillary tubes that go all across its body. And what it does is it'll rub up on grass or walk on some slightly moist sand and it will be able to just suck up the tiniest little bit of moisture from its environment and it does this kind of almost mouthing kind of weird like it just keeps opening and closing its mouth as it's walking around and that acts like a pump which will then pump that water from like say the tip of the tail or even its toes to its mouth to get a drink. So these guys could be standing in a puddle of water and you may look at it and its mouth isn't anywhere near the water, but it is actually soaking up water from the puddle through its foot and pumping it into its mouth. And they are so good at this that they can suck up even just the little bit of moisture that may be in the sand to get a drink. The animal is safe. It can get a quick drink and a quick meal. Next up, of course, mating. Mating occurs normally around August through December. And how it happens is males will normally try to attract a female. And they do this by bobbing their heads around and waving their legs. Very sexy dance. And if a female thinks so as well, it will come over and mate with the male. Normally, they will lay 3 to 10 eggs in a nest burrow that's about 11.8 inches or 30 centimeters down. And depending on the temperature, in 3 to 4 months, they will hatch. When they do hatch, they are completely independent and will normally go out and start eating pretty much ants right away. Very independent little lizards. Now, on to the conservation status of the thorny devil. The IUCN Red List considers the thorny devil of least concern. But like every animal, we are still affecting the populations in a couple different ways. So let's talk about it. One thing that is causing a major loss in thorny devils, as well as many different reptiles, is roads. Roads are a major attractor to reptiles for a number of different reasons. One of the major ones, of course, is migration or travel. A lot of times these reptiles or amphibians or whoever have very specific travel routes to get from maybe a hibernation area to a breeding location, and all of a sudden a major highway is put in the way. When a highway goes on for miles and miles, the only way to get across, unfortunately, is through the traffic. That gives them little or no choice because animals drive for food and breeding way outweighs life sometimes. Because that is the major push for these animals is to spread on their genetic diversity. And unfortunately, sometimes that leads them into traffic. The other major issue with roads is that roads are extremely warm compared to the rest of the environment, especially in the mornings when the reptiles are first trying to get warm. So like I said, reptiles are cold-blooded. They get their warmth from their surrounding environment to kind of help get them active, get them moving, and getting on with the rest of their day. So it's like getting a shot of espresso for a lot of us, all right? This is how the animals can kind of get on with their day. And 
because of the material and also because a lot of time roads are obviously black, which soaks up a lot of heat fairly quickly, it is the warmest spot by a lot early in the morning. So these are, or even sometimes late in the evenings, it's the last thing that cools down as well. So these are major reptile attractors because getting warmer quicker means you can get on with your day and get to food quicker and get to whatever else you need to do as a reptile for that day a lot quicker. So with this, it attracts a lot of reptiles and other animals. And unfortunately, people driving too fast, not seeing them on the road, or yes, people are dicks because people suck and think it's funny to run over animals and kill them. Especially when you have snakes and other reptiles where people have fears or they just there's a natural hatred of reptiles, unfortunately, from a lot of different individuals and see it as an opportunity to eliminate some in the area. So what can we do? Well, first off, just always knowing when you're driving, animals don't follow any sort of road signs or anything like that, that at any point there could be an animal in a road. And it sounds silly to say it, but actually, I remember listening to a podcast back in college where a woman called in complaining about how they should move the deer crossing signs to a less busy highway, that it's dangerous to have the animals crossing in a section of road that is so busy, and not what it actually is, which is a warning that animals cross there. She actually thought that they created a sign that the deer could read and know where to cross. It's we're, We don't have any control over the deer crossing there. We're just warning you that that's where they like to cross and not creating a crosswalk for deer. Very odd. <laughs> so yeah, always understanding that there could be animals on the road as you're driving. Great. And also encouraging more wildlife signs, not to encourage animals to cross there because that's there's no way a sign's going to do that for the animal, but just a friendly reminder to travelers in areas that are noted to be major roadkill areas that animals do cross there and to just keep an eye out. Another major thing people can do is actually help out with animals during migratory season. So, for example, in the United States, a lot of times on warm, rainy nights in the spring, there are major amphibian migrations happening all over the, our country. And this is bringing out millions of frogs and toads and salamanders and other amphibians and reptiles and all kinds of other animals. They are crossing roads to get from their hibernation area to their breeding grounds. And one thing that a lot of conservationists do is with local government, they will shut down those roads during the nighttime to allow the animals to safely cross without being concerned about getting run over by cars. Now, the other thing that they do is on roads where it's a little too busy to shut down, like this is a major roadway and shutting that down is kind of a big issue, they will actually create frog and toad and salamander crossing guards where they have all these people come out and volunteer and help the amphibians to get from the hibernation side to the breeding side and also along the way actually doing counts to help 
understand how the population is doing. And what they'll do as well is they'll normally have slower speed limit signs posted up to make sure that people aren't speeding through. Maybe it's an area that normally it's like 45 miles per hour. And on reptile or amphibian migration times, it's only down to 15. And they'll have people sometimes stationed up along the roadway and kind of giving indications, yes, you can keep coming. There is nothing in front of us. And say all of a sudden a frog pops out real quick, they can kind of stop the person before they hit the frog, get the frog out of the way and let the person continue on. So all of that is really great. The other big thing is encouraging animal corridors to be built, especially with any sort of new major highway or roadway. Putting these in while building the road makes a lot more sense, more cost effective since you're not you're already having construction and all that sort of stuff there. And normally newer roads always are a little bit worse because animals aren't used to a road there. So having corridors right off the bat can very much eliminate roadkill right right then and there. And that is normally seen as tunnels or even <laughs> sometimes huge major highway sized bridges being built across highways or other roadways that just act as a kind of wildlife corridor or bridge for animals to get across the road. And they work really, really well. And there are a lot of videos or even live cameras that you can look at. And they, I mean, they have tigers and bears and monkeys and coyotes and badgers and frogs and like literally every single animal that you can think of, they have put these in, put cameras up and right off the bat, seen animals using them. And the science is there that it drastically decreases the amount of roadkill, which also can lead to people getting hurt as well, especially if it's a much bigger animal. Like it's one thing if it's a little thorny devil, unfortunately, it's normally the devil that gets hurt, but bigger animals that mess up your car and people can get severely hurt. So it's also a human safety issue as well, putting up these corridors. And these corridors are really impressive. Like some of these major bridges are actually very nicely built some of the nicest bridges i've even seen and what they'll do is they'll put all this like soil and grasses and uh plant life up there to also make it feel less exposed and more just part of the natural environment that is already surrounding the roads and animals choose to go there because well nobody wants to be exposed on the road like that that's pretty crazy now as for the reptiles though the other factor not alone just travel, is the fact of the warm roads. So what are we doing about that to make roads safer for reptiles? Well, they're looking at new material or possible ways to reduce the amount of heat that's being soaked up by these roads, like using material or maybe colors or whatever, so that the roads, especially in higher reptile areas aren't such a big attractor like it is more closely to the temperatures of just the surrounding environment that it's not any warmer than the pile of dirt 20 feet away now that's all well and good but yeah it's it's still tough and also asphalt is so much cheaper than most materials so the other thing that has happened is people also have come up with and it's happened a couple places as 
creating almost road patches off to the side of the road. So like 20 feet away, there's like a patch of asphalt that looks like someone built a mini parking spot that you can't get anywhere near to. And sometimes you might be driving down the road and you'll see it and you're like, well, what what the heck is that thing over there? It's just like a patch of asphalt that just looks like they randomly spilled or made a random road that has no beginning or no end. And what that is, is it's a, a tractor. Because what they'll do is they'll put rocks and maybe some plant life around it and basically give the reptiles an opportunity to bask on that asphalt material that they like so much in the morning times, but giving them a much safer, much more comfortable area to do it. Because for the most part, these animals are very much exposing themselves because they do know about the roads. They can, you know, it's it's a scary place to go, but... When it's life and death, sometimes you have to take those risks a lot of times for an amphibian or reptile to kind of get warmed up and ready for the day. So providing these safer areas that also have a lot of protection around it, because say you're a thorny devil and you're out in the middle of the road, as quickly as you can run, it's going to be very hard to escape a predator if it's coming after you. You're very exposed and not have a lot of shelter too close by. So having the rocks and the plants around these kind of patches, it it just makes a lot more sense for the reptile to want to go there versus being out on the road. And doing this for the animals like the thorny devil to be able to charge up without becoming a splat on the road is going to make sure that these and many other animals like the thorny devil are around for years to come. And that's our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the tales of the thorny devil. As always, make sure to check me out on Twitter and Facebook where you can communicate with me on a daily basis or ask questions or even make suggestions about animals you would like to hear or cool conservation projects you have found or even just send me a picture of animals that you like. I'm cool with all of that. But until next time, see ya.